We are back for the third week in the row. We actually have listeners, so that's a huge surprise to both of us for the Nostalgic Album Podcast. I'm Stovepipe. I'm Alex. Please don't leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please. Please don't give up on us. Alex, how was your week this week? It was good. It was very busy, but I'm I'm really looking forward to this as I have been the last couple weeks. And Same here. You were on fun. vacation. I, 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 I was. Sat, stared at the water. It was the least busy I've been in six months. I feel like we could all uh, stand to just stare at the water during yes. this this time that is at its absolute craziest. Election season, a pandemic. We might be dead in six months or less, so it's a lot of pressure. So I feel like vacation probably felt better than it's ever felt in, <laughs> in your entire You're life. not wrong. You're not wrong at all. So, uh, we're on theme this week, and that theme is, a person goes to a place, and likely see a few things. So, it covers all the all the nouns. Alex, we're going to start... Actually, no, we do coin toss. Do I have a coin? Yes, I do. Oh, you got it. You got this one. I'll take heads. Okay. Heads I go, tails Alex goes. Tails, it's me it's again. It's him again. I can't lose. We might need to. We might need to roll a dice next week, or something, <laughs> so you actually get to go first. <laughs> Alex built a guitar for me made out of a Ouija board, so maybe we could call on one of those to decide next time too. Only if I get to build it. <laughs> exactly. So um, the name it was King's X was the name of it, and uh, yeah, go ahead, give it a little cursory uh, explanation of your choice. Gretchen Goes to Nebraska by King's X. Mm-hmm. And I kind of pulled a rabbit out of the hat for this one. Mm-hmm. We should probably do better at picking like the week before that we're, what oh. we're actually going to do. <laughs> but we change our minds two or three times. Right. And this time I was aching to find something under an hour, as you guys know from last week right. when I did Metallica at like 72 minutes. Right, and I did Use Your Illusion 1. For the week before, which is eight years long. So. <laughs> and that's just coma at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the last song. I know, right? So the first question I have is, did it live up to the magic of it, your youth? It did. I I just adore that record, and I adore that band in like a nerdy kind of... Like the inner gear nerd in me loves everything about the way they do things and how they make things sound. Mm-hmm. It's a they're just a tremendously underrated power trio, and everyone should enjoy them. They're a power trio, okay. Mm-hmm. I just realized we didn't say we didn't do what are you drinking? We're all over the place. Let's do that now, <laughs> and then I can edit it in, and then we'll return to your thing. Alex, what are we drinking? We are drinking, actually, a favorite of both of ours, yes. a favorite fall thing, Ichabod Pumpkin Ale from New Holland Brewing Company. It's a little different every single year and still great. Yes. Beer drinkers, if you need a pumpkin spice latte, this one's for you. This is the one. I love the cover, too, or the uh, the design of it. This is easily one of my favorite beers. The one I'm going to bring next time is a main ale, Shipyards Ichabod, and we can compare them. <laughs> I I miss the old I miss the old art with mm-hmm. uh, headless Ichabod. Oh, crane. that's right. This but this is this is a nice update. I once I once I figured out what they did to me. Right, it, it works out nice. That's not half bad. All right, so edit that in. So it lived up to the magic. So where were you when you first heard King's X? And if you don't recall the exact answer, uh, anything from your childhood that connects you to this album? I think I bought the greatest hits in one of those Columbia House specials that we earlier alluded to. Right. Because I saw it in a guitar world, I don't know, probably as a, as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Looking for you know things to broaden my horizons and things to explore, and they popped up, and I'd never heard of them, so why not? And I fell instantly in love with it. It's the chord structures and all kinds of really nerdy stuff that I'll try to right. keep short and get into later. Right. 
Now, one thing you said to me when you chose this one, and I had heard about them, and when it's my turn to speak, I will share a pretty foundational story in my life about this band that I barely know anything about. (laughs) But you said that they are one of the most underrated uh, heavy metal, I guess you could probably call them, uh, uh, bands that you can think of. Why do you think they're so underrated? Or underappreciated or under whatever. I like to call... I like to call them the littlest big band in Texas. Mm-hmm. Kind of twist that ZZ Top <laughs> biggest little band in Texas because they're from they're from Texas. They're right? actually from Katy, Texas, outside of Houston. And unless you were in the CCM scene in the like late nineties or watched a lot of Headbangers Ball, you didn't know. Right. Who they were. They were on Headbangers Ball, they which were. is a secular show. Yes. And again, I'll get into this later, but my understanding is that the lead singer caused Ripway, uh, a, a, a typhoon of controversy in the CCM world, when he said that not only is he a homosexual, he is lost his faith or something, correct? Oh, man. Oh, boy, did he. And that was yeah. something I didn't. I didn't actually know about them yeah. until this week when I started doing some deeper research because okay. I was thinking the things I were I was thinking were things like what must it have been like to grow up black and gay in the sixties? <laughs> right. That's like double whammy of people really, really not liking who you are. Who you are. And Yeah. And also a at one time, Christian band in the secular music world, flirting with the secular music world. So that it's almost like a triple whammy because I don't buy the narrative that they they hate all Christians, but I do buy the narrative that it's probably a fish out of water type situation. <laughs> Listening to the lyrics with that little bit of extra knowledge right. really does. Kinda, yes, you hear a lot of the CCM influence yet in the lyrics and Mm -hmm. the album titles make a lot more sense like faith hope love right yeah some of those yeah tape heads a strange one that must have been right on the line for uh when they got instantly pulled from all the christian bookstores for having an agnostic homosexual lead singer (laughs) (laughs) typically that goes over great in those circles but apparently not for them no no that uh so what is it about this band, aside from the things that we've brought up, that you think makes them different than other bands? I thought of a few, too, but uh, well, let's start with you. I would go with, I guess I would turn that and say different how, apart from, you know, the obvious three members, not four, black gay lead singer. Right. You know. Is there anything about their particular sound that you think sets them apart from others? They have a very, the guitar tones are very distinct. Mm-hmm. Like that, and actually, their lead singer's voice is incredibly distinct. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, there are a small, very small handful of singers in this world that you know, like, bang the instant the mic opens, and, mm-hmm. you know, like Chris Cornell, Axl Rose, I'll throw Richie Kotzen in there. Um, and Doug Pinnock from King's X. Right. Because it's... Doug Pinnock, that's yep. right. And it's the... You know, because he has that really heavy gospel-influenced mm-hmm. vocal pattern that... And then they fly it in over top of these giant distorted guitars. And right. Really intricate picking patterns. And, and who plays that? Is, is it the lead singer? No, that's... Uh, he's He's... Uh, Doug's the bass player. Doug's the bass. Uh, Ty right. Tabor, who actually, if we do if we do a uh, grab bag album episode, I'm going to grab something from his side project, the Jelly Jam, which is a yeah, bluegrass project with John Myung from Dream Theater. Oh, no kidding! <laughs> and some other heavy metal guys, and I want to know what it sounds like. So I'm King's curious. X has some connections outside of their own little. CCM Universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug Pinnock did a guest vocal on the Dream Theater song Lines in the Sand. I don't know if uh, Jerry Gaskell or drummers ever 
done anything outside of the CCM. There's some weird mm-hmm. intertwining with Doug and Jerry playing in other bands prior to King's X. Right. But so thematically, a I'm so I keep forgetting the name of this album. Who goes to what? Gretchen. Gretchen, Gretchen. goes to Nebraska. Jesus. Why she goes to Nebraska? They don't touch on. Do you don't know, know anything about Gretchen? I know nothing about Gretchen. <laughs> she doesn't. There's not a there's not a title track on the CD, which is right. an interesting thing to me. Mm-hmm. But you know, they get you get the. Uh, Allusion to C.S. Lewis with the opener out of the Silent Planet, right? Which, which is, is a his, sci-fi book. Yep, yeah, which is his uh, writing prior to his theological writings. Right. I love that book. I was just going to ask if you've <laughs> read it. I read it actually when I was in elementary school. I don't okay. know how I managed to digest it. Uh, yeah, I didn't read I it till college. That I think age, I... and it was. Uh, I should go back and read it again. I wonder if that too lives up to the magic. You could do a whole podcast of if if C.S. Lewis books <laughs> live up to the magic, or really any fantasy books, since it's about could, childhood do, magic, essentially. You could do a lot of C.S. Lewis stuff, right? So, do you know of anything? But do you uh, do they have any other songs that are about that make C.S. Lewis allusions, or in this case, direct uh, references? That's the only one off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to do some more. Thorough ear digging, but right. that one's the that one's the obvious one because it's you know they named it after one of his books. So. Right. Now, what type of things do they? I did listen to the lyrics. I didn't remember all of them. <laughs> what type of things do they sing about? There's a. It's a lot of hope through you know. It's you know kind of they kind of take that traditional those traditional CCM structures mm-hmm. and twist them out of the CCM mold. Right. So you can hear that five chords and five chord gospel kind of thing going right. on, but he's, you know, they're putting it over top of they're putting it over top of lush heavy orchestration. Right. And Typically playing it closer to a punk tempo than, you know, a worship tempo. Right. Was there anything as a kid that you connected to uh, with what they sang about that you recall? Not really. It was when it was when it was a discovery point for me. It was more about the sound. Right. And as I get older, and they continue to put new stuff out oh they do okay oh i thought they i thought they were totally broken no i just i actually just saw them a couple years ago Mm -hmm. at a down in battle creek and was it packed it was packed um actually did the meet and greet they're terrific bunch of guys oh they were they were nice yep everybody you know if you had a question it didn't go without an answer okay nobody nobody who was in line missed their opportunity i you know, for guys in their, you know, late fifties up to I believe Doug is seventy now. You're kidding. No. And in great shape. Yeah. Yeah, I know he was I knew he was a buff guy. He had no clue he was seventy. No. That's really old. I, How old is like James Hatfield? Oof. Or James Hetfield. We could look that up a minute. Yeah, let's take a look. It's not that old. I wanna say mid fifties, but uh you know. The amount of drinking he did in the 80s, I think, would <laughs> just about pickle anybody. <laughs> James Hetfield is 57. Okay. Well, that is... And, and you're positive the other guy's 70. Doug. I just looked it up this morning, if I remember right. That's very, very old. <laughs> it is. God. Especially to be touring... But don't tell Mick Jagger because I think he's a hair older or half past dead. So the people who are, the, my guess is they have an enormous loyal cult following that has, the people who have listened to them have listened to them since the beginning. They're, uh, I imagine their fan base to be very similar in loyalty and age to Rush. Mm-hmm. You know, that nobody, makes sense. 
Yeah. Nobody nobody who listens to Rush doesn't love Rush. Right. It's a very for being legendary, it's a very niche band. Yes, it is. And speaking of distinctive singers, there's another one. Getty Lee. Well, Getty Lee. <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe there's some there might be some parallels between uh, oh, Rush, yeah, Rush had no no really religious inclinations. They had a lot of philosophical ones. In their a lot songs. of philosophical ones. A lot of mumbo jumbo. <laughs> but you know, you want to talk about big brains writing lyrics, Neil yeah. Peart. Yeah, yeah, because he wrote all their songs, didn't he? Yeah. My dad's a very big fan of them. Well, then he'll enjoy this illusion and rabbit trail into oh, momentary. Okay, uh, yeah, <laughs> of Rush, Rush world. I think a lot of, I know a lot of, the people that like, it's like, you're either in or you're in the way with Rush. Mm -hmm. Like, there aren't really Fairweather fans. No, there's no such thing. And it's probably because of Getty Lee's voice. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan. I like a few songs of of them. I fall on the other side of that coin. You love them? I love them. Yeah. But they're, again, I love them for the same reasons that people hate them. Long songs, (laughs) Getty Lee's voice. Heady lyrics. Yeah. You know, you can't just go through... It's not a 30-minute album of three-and-a-half-minute songs. Yeah. I like them better than Yes, Uh, but but I do confuse the two. I'd go that way as well. Yes is... Well, I find it enjoyable. Yes is... I also find it tiresome. (laughs) (laughs) So I was was trying to think of... uh, Somebody mentioned that we should dig into our childhoods more and i said mm. no that's not going to happen because that would make the podcast really boring i think for both of us oh it would we could talk about all the time i spent listening to the newsboys before i found the beatles <laughs> to be fair yeah. i've gone back to a couple of those newsboys yeah. albums and they're fine just fine i you know let's let's go into that one because i i wouldn't pick a newsboys album for this podcast would you not necessarily, not unless I was really reaching for something. Right. So so I feel fine maybe venturing into the world of CCM because, as we'll find throughout the series of this podcast, we both have some connection to that. What do you think of the Newsboys? They were okay. <laughs> I mean... I like Steve Taylor, the guy who writes most of their songs. It, it filled that... Uh, Filled that rock and roll quotient in a CCM package. Did you know, you know, Steve Taylor, the guy writes most of their their Mm -hmm. songs. He is in a band. He's an interesting guy. He is in a band with Daniel uh, Smith of the Danielson family. And I think the drummer from the Newsboys. uh, And they did, and it's called To the Deathness. And they did an album produced by... Steve Albini and Steve Albini in several interviews said that it is one of his favorite albums that he's ever produced. And so of course I listened to it because I love Steve Albini and I really don't mind the newsboys at times. (laughs) And I like Danielson family occasionally, but I love Steve Albini and it actually is pretty fucking unreal album. It's like punk and newsboys and just almost like avant-garde type type sound to it. I highly highly recommend this album. I have to I have to find it. Yeah, I can find it for you easily. I'll send it to you. And I couldn't bring it to this podcast because it's a recent album. It's only like oh. 2 years old. Nope, we can't count that. I think uh I think the albums we're picking have to have a 20-year minimum on them. I completely about. agree. But because yeah, otherwise we wouldn't be children. Exactly. But I think, you know, one thing about, and we don't have to go too much into it, but what turned me off from CCM music, I mean, I listened to it when I became a born-again Christian when I was 18, and I used it as a replacement for secular music. Um, But then when I, I was still a Christian at the time, but that outlook on music I ended up hating. Like, I should be able to listen to whatever the hell I want. And so I just stopped listening to it altogether. But are there there were some bands I've been able to revisit from that time that I think are unbelievably fantastic or at least interesting because in that world it was a lot of people like us we were buying it cuz we didn't want to buy this or whatever the case may be and there so it was couldn't, like they had take almost it home. in some ways they had 
very limited creative freedom because they could only sing about Jesus. But in other ways, they had unlimited creativity because, like, for instance, the Newsboys put out a disco album. I remember there was, like, this weird band that did this, like, rap country type thing long before uh, Lil Nas did it because, like, you know, these youth groupers can't buy this, so they're going to buy this. And so there was a there was a unbridled creative freedom that was at least interesting to me. Are there any other bands besides? And I think Kings X maybe was able to explore certain territories because in the secular world they probably could not write a song about a C.S. Lewis book. They probably could. I mean, oh, they could. The way that the way that that song's done up, it's disguised well enough that you have to have a pretty heavy back knowledge of where that title would have come from. Oh, okay. Or and where so those lyrics might be from and so i think they could have done it but okay so maybe that's not a remotely good point that i just made but are, are there <laughs> I, I think they do better getting away with disguising the ccm messages okay. in a secular packaging i gotcha than they would trying to like twist the mold the other way so they got away with a lot yeah i think i think that's Probably did, for that creative freedom reason you just right. mentioned, yeah. you can pretty much, as long as the as long as the lyrics are in the correct vein, you can pretty much dress them however you dress want. them. I That's mean, true. Skillet's another one. Thousand foot crutch. Those yeah. are all too young for this podcast, but right, <laughs> they're they're going to pop up eventually. Um, are there any other? Um, what? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to scrap that question because it's not that interesting. And this question is interesting. Is um, how what in their latter stuff when he was out of the closet, no longer a believer? What what type of things did he write about? He's a lyricist. I'm it's it's still a lot of the same. I don't think because that's what he grew up in, and then that's what he went back to. He was actually a CCM metal promoter for a while as well wait when was this the mid 90s ish it's prior it's king's x prior okay gotcha you know he's been he's been an active musician for Mm -hmm. much longer than the life of this band which is really great but also kind of a shame that the band's not that old right i would i would love them to have a 40 or 50 year history at this point but and they have a fan base where that's Mm -hmm. that's at least possible until they Kick the bucket. The fan, and I guess the fan base is really what matters. Right. I mean, that's how you get to keep doing what you're doing. And a lot of the stuff on particularly the latest album, Mm -hmm. which is actually, I think, almost 10 years old at this point. Oh, really? Their their most recent one is 10 years old? Yeah. They take a while. They're a little Tool-esque that way. Okay. Um which is interesting because there's no you know grandiose 20-minute songs with ink and percussion or right. any of that stuff. It's, you know, straight-ahead four- to six-minute rock songs. Right. But, you know, it's still a lot of that aspect of human searching. Right. It's a lot of the lyrical, you know, like I think there are three or four songs on the... Their newest record, fifteen, mm-hmm. that are in like include the word "live" in the title. Hmm. So, what are there any songs in here that didn't age as well during this listen? Hmm. Actually, out of the silent planet, um, I struggled with over my head a little bit. Yeah. Because my introduction to that song is off the Greatest Hits record, right. which is a live performance from like Germany that has this really powerful Axl Rose-esque mm-hmm. spoken word piece in the middle of it, mm-hmm. which he does. They close the show with it when they play, and he does a slightly different topical, call it speech, if you will. Right. Every time, but this one was that Axl Rose allow me to explain the song for you. <laughs> that that of, we went over in great detail last <laughs> in great time. Great detail, kind of vain. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's actually a song. Control about, freak. Yep. Yeah, the song is 
actually about him hiding from his grandmother as a child while she's downstairs, I guess you could kind of say seeding his uh, descent from the faith. Right. Because she, you know, the line he uses in the speech is, she called herself a Christian, but she never said, I love you. Wow, that's pretty. And that's that's pretty profound. So it was kind of yeah. like, boy, that kicks you in the way, ding ding. The way that that lands, right? When you're in the middle of it, mm-hmm. and that song is one of the heaviest. Like, right. they just tear into it every time they play it, right? And then they slow way down for this, and he drops something like that in the middle, and right. they wind it right back up, and it's just, it's punchy hmm. and very emotional. But on the record, like the studio performance is sterile and yeah. lacking, right? Ah. <laughs> That's funny. There's, I, I mean, I can't think of anything offhand, but I, there's a few bands where I heard it live. I'm like, oh, I don't really like this song, and then I loved it, and then I went back and listened to the recording. I'm like, eh, that wasn't. This is better alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my my last question that I have, uh, along with anything you'd like to add that I haven't asked mm-hmm. about, is if you. What song or songs would you pick to give to somebody if you really wanted them to like this band? <sighs> this is especially for our listeners, so they can. I'm gonna uh, go. I'm gonna walk outside of the album for this one, right? Since this question allows me that latitude. Right. Um, cigarettes, Dogman, Show Me How to Live, Go Tell Somebody. Mm-hmm. And we'll close with, um, actually, uh, Looking for Love, if I didn't say that one already. I don't think so. All right, listeners, so you now have a, I'm about to cough, <coughs> edit that out. You now you now have uh, an assignment. Go listen to those songs. I was thinking at first that we should play the songs, but then I looked into it, and that could get us kicked off Spotify, so... It could also get very expensive in ASCAP fees. Right. And yeah, we're not paying. That's going to be bad. We want you all to start buying us beer eventually. So as you go listen, listen and then, you know, buy us beer. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> or if we plugged your beer, send us beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's And that's really the ultimate goal of this whole thing. You can't get free, since CDs barely exist anymore, and no one's going to give us free records, uh, we'll take beer instead. Um. All right, man, what do you got for me? Well, let's talk about your side. Was this your first listen? This is the first time I've ever mm-hmm. heard King's X in my entire life. Well, I'm very pleased to have made that introduction. <laughs> uh, you said some, you've alluded to some feelings regarding this album in some of our other conversations. Yeah, our texts. Yes. How did, how did you feel about it? I really enjoyed this album. It wasn't perfect, and I didn't connect to it lyrically. I thought um, it was either uh, so vague that it didn't keep my interest, or I just thought the instrumental, the, the instrument sounded so incredible that I just didn't pay much attention yeah, to the lyrics. It'll, the lyrics will come later right. if you dig deeper and sit with them. That's what happened. With, I know that feeling. So Yeah. I didn't like, there's one song I didn't like, because he made complaints that I feel like at the time were very controversial, mm. and people in the CCM thing actually cared about these topics. But which one was that? It was called like uh, stained glass windows, or he mm. sings a lot about that. Basically, the song is about how annoyed he is by people in church, <laughs> and I just—I mean, I—I I could care oh, less. That about must have been any the, of that. Um, that must have been the mission. Yes, that one. Must that be one, the mission. One. That one I thought was funny or and mission. cute and kind of quaint in it's, a remember back then when this was controversial type thing. It it certainly does. It does have an antiquated yeah sort of reality to it. Right. If this if um 
what what really connected me was I thought instrumentally it sounded fantastic. Some of it actually sounded like some of the instrumental contemporary instrumental music that I listen to now when I'm reading. Uh, it even had some of it had a kind of a Radiohead esque type feel. Like it, you know what I mean? Like it, it's got that air to it. It's got yeah, that air. It didn't seem like a heavy metal. It seemed like just a really maybe a metal influenced. Uh, yeah, a power pop trio, uh, or not even power pop, like anthemic. Uh, I really liked that part of it. It it could draw a lot of comparison to Rush that way. Yes, or even ZZ Top. The difference I thought it's is got that Texas to it a little it, bit. It, it does, but it's very almost ethereal. Very, I found it to be a very pleasant listen, and I don't find Rush. To, I find Rush to be the opposite of pleasant. Like it's very. Our- Claustrophobic and it's arduous. Arduous. There's yes. a lot to think about when you're listening to a Rush song. I right. A little boot in there for you. Right. <laughs> uh, so my story about uh, which is which is vital to this is yes. this band was. Uh, I'll give you a very very short background. Is that I grew up very religiously, with not very strict parents, but we had to go to church. But I personally became more religious when I was about 18. From the years between about 18 and 24, oh, 23, I, I think I even annoyed my parents with how what a religious, judgmental prick I was. And one Were of those your cornerstone years. It, it was more. It was during two of my cornerstone years until I discovered alcohol and marijuana. But um, <laughs> but uh, no. But it was more influenced. I went to a Bible institute called Word Life Bible Institute, mm. and it made me a judgmental prick. I listened to tons of CCM music. Um, I judged people for list for not listening to CCM. Like you're listening to secular music. I remember my roommate from my first year of college. I got mad at him for listening to to like the Beastie Boys. Just, just mm. I was just a piece of shit. <laughs> One of the things that I regret the most. The rest is just silly. I was incredibly homophobic, and I remember calling up a talk show where they were interviewing a gay guy, and I was so mad by the things he was saying, which were basically, uh, you know, cat, don't cast stones at me, let me be married, let me have a good life, all the things that they absolutely... Leave deserved. me alone, Leave. let me be a human. <laughs> yeah, let me... Yeah. <laughs> I remember, like, trying to call them and saying, like, Jesus is going to fucking send you to hell, you son of a bitch, or something. <laughs> so it was a... And I don't know the exact cause of it, but I, it's something I'm ashamed of, and, and, I, and any activism that I try to do now uh, is for LGBT plus is not only because I think it's important, but it's a I'm trying to cover a multitude of sins in that area. But here's how it relates to King's X, is that I was reading a magazine called HM. Do you remember that? Ah, vaguely. Heaven's Metal. And oh, the, my. Yeah, and it was, it was Christian magazine, but the guy who ran it was known to be an all right guy. He, he, he was, again, said things that were controversial at the time, like, you know, beer is good. And listening to secular music is fine. That was controversial then, so whatever. I remember he interviewed Doug from King's X, and what I recall being a very well-written article and a very gracious one, and that was the very first article I ever read um, where a couple things. One, Doug talked about how his homosexuality was not a choice in very convincing terms, whereas before that, my only frame of reference was uh, it was a choice. And he said, you know, I, he was saying that for his whole life he prayed, he attended conferences to ungay him, he did all of these things, and they weren't successful. And then one day he was at a bridge, and he said to God, if you don't take away my homosexuality, I'm going to jump off this bridge. And then suddenly he got hit by a quite different epiphany. He said, wait a second, I'm fine as I am, uh, but there was a death. That's when he stopped believing that mm. there was a god or whatever way he chooses to frame it. So I was really touched by that. And also the writing of the article, it wasn't judgmental. It was just allowing him to tell a story, uh, which was totally rare. And I kid you not, there is a direct line to what I think about um, uh, it, it, the support I would have for LGBT+. I'm not, I mean, I'm not terribly religious anymore. Um, there's a straight line from that King's X article to then. Better put... If I hadn't read that article, I might be on Rush Limbaugh right now saying oh. I hate gay people. So I think you could get him Probably in trouble. Probably not, but I think know. you could get him in trouble for that. I I'm sure there's an FCC violation in there. With what? For 
coming on and telling him. To, oh, I don't know. Now where I'm going with this? <laughs> Lost it. Trying to follow that one. That train is long gone. Sorry, folks. Um, left in- the station without me. I'm still standing here on the platform. And- <laughs> I don't know if that's a good advertisement for Ichabod Beer or not. But um, hmm. so that is my story, and I never listened to them. Um, it, I, I this was the first time I listened to it, but. They had a no small part in my personal evolution and becoming what I think is a better person. So a band that I barely listened to until this podcast. Uh, I think I think he would appreciate that story if he got the opportunity yeah. to hear it. I think I think that would. You think so? Him. He seems like I, that seems like something he would appreciate quite a lot. Okay, maybe I should email him. Maybe I'll email him and he'll write us back, and then I can read it on an episode. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big one right there, but, um, like, I mean, we don't, we don't have to try to figure out why people hated gay people so much in, in Christian circles, but like, um, oh, I was trying to think of Ray Boltz is another singer. I think he's still a religious man, but who came out of the closet years later, he was enormously popular in CCM. He wrote, thank you. Uh, so there, there's a whole little mini history of people like Doug. Well, I don't know. No one's quite like Doug. No, he's I also don't. an African American. <laughs> I believe yeah. there's only one like him. One like him. And... But you know, people who definitely went against the grain uh, of uh... cut against cut against that grain. And... Yeah. Lost a lot of success in favor of other success, so to speak. Exactly. And... I would very. My conclusion is, I would very much like to see a documentary about him. I think it would be a very helpful thing in these times. I'd be fascinated to see a documentary about that band in general. Mm-hmm. I just Right. You know I know so little about the like I don't want to say day to day existence of I'm fascinated in how they do what they do and right. the way I'm I'm always fascinated in how do bands write and you know which what particular formula is working for them particularly the successful ones because they're all so different. Mm-hmm. You know, you have bands that have been doing this for 50 years that are still getting in a, you know, rehearsal closet and hashing mm-hmm. it out one idea at a time right. and then you have Bands that have, you know, over the course of their life graduated to flying things around in Pro Tools and haven't right. actually spoken to each other while <laughs> recording an album. And yet somehow it's selling, mm-hmm. I don't know how many thousands of copies a week. Right. If anybody's even buying albums anymore, <laughs> please continue to please do continue it. Please continue to, yes. Physical ones if you can. Uh, you know, if my... I can't think of a song I would recommend. I don't think any one sticks out. Like, listening to this, I just kind of let it wash over me because I was very surprised how much I liked this album. I thought I was like, well, you know, I'll give it a listen. <laughs> and I ended up very much liking it, listening to it many more times than I did the Master of Puppets one. Uh, uh, but and Justice for All. And Justice well, for All, right, I'll, obviously. I'll pick Master of Puppets later, right. I promise. Well, that just shows that it's, this one... Uh, Legendary and right. multi-million selling for a reason. For a reason, yeah. Uh, but what I would say to people is to read the backstory. I would say if you've never heard of them, read their backstory before you listen to it. I think that would give you a context that would prevent this album from sounding dated or preachy. Uh, and that, I mean, for him to to come out as a a homosexual atheist. Uh, I, I feel like that's a very important context. It's a strong coin to flip it's, when you started in CCM. And when you started in CCM, you are very well put. But yeah, that's, I mean, you can, If I'll take more questions if you have them, but I really, that's really the most thought I put into it. <laughs> well, I mean, I see no real reason to, you know, try and continue discussing it. We, right. we went through quite a bit of it and went yeah. pretty far in and off track with my half. So right. let's, Let's talk about Milo and his trip to college. Right, Milo goes to college. <laughs> Gretchen goes to Nebraska. I, they, they should. This is what should happen: is that Descendant should cover Nebraska. Uh, Gretchen goes to Nebraska in a punk version, but call it like Milo goes to Nebraska and King's X 
should cover Milo goes to college in their own tune, but call it Gretchen goes to Milo college. goes to Nebraska. Goes to Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something I'm sure will definitely happen. I'm sure Milo was born in Nebraska. <laughs> so, did that album stand up for you? Well, <laughs> it was a heavy pause. Half of it did. Okay. Um, musically, yes. I mean, the reason I even discovered this is that, I mean, uh, punk music was the first music that I found on my own because before that I always found good music from my brother and some cousins who liked good music uh, but discovering Nirvana the Lemonheads uh, Green Day uh, Weezer was kind of a punk band back then I list, I heard that and I never heard anything that sounded better to me and most music that I like now I, I is at least partly inspired by punk uh, in that it's usually very lean uh, usually quite short uh, and very the production is very raw and so uh milo goes to college met all of that criteria so the spirit of the album i still felt the magic lyrically uh it lost a lot of magic <laughs> i can you know alluding alluding yeah. to what's going to come in my half okay I can, I can see that um yeah i struggled with it yeah i gather that and i um, did too it was kind of like um, you know, you and I, this is what it is. Their latter output is better. And I think that's often the case with a lot of punk bands, um, is that, you know, they, so many of them start when they're young. I'm looking, I'm looking up, uh, I think they started in like 1984. So a lot of the bands, even some of my 1982 favorite, was my yeah, goes to college. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and when I have heard it would have been like 1992, 1993. Uh, but the reason I heard it is I discovered all these fairly mainstream punk bands and a lot of them would talk about less known bands that they liked or that influenced them. Nirvana was very good at doing this and one of these bands mentioned The Descendants so I immediately found a copy of it and at the time I I was absolutely blown away from it. It didn't really hit me in the wheelhouse lyrically then either because I just uh, didn't, you know, I, like I said, growing up in a fairly conservative uh if not family church, uh, I just, a lot of the things they sung about would have been like a foreign language to me, but I thought they sounded really cool when they yelled. Uh, now that I'm older, it just, I just wanted to say like, chill out, dude, you're going to be okay. Um, I will say that their latter stuff, because in their latter stuff, they sang about nerd culture a lot. Uh, the lead singer is a professor, I believe, and studies some science that I'm going to look up. But, um, the magic was there in spirit, um, in execution. It was, it was here and there. It was an it was an interesting dichotomy to me to yeah. pull up my album and see that it's again yeah. fifty one minutes long or something, <laughs> and the one you've picked this week is a shade under twenty three yeah, minutes. I know, and, and <laughs> it I, has more songs. <laughs> I, Somehow, I liked. That's one thing I liked about it too is that I do like. It's nice to hear short albums. Um, Milo Ackerman, he's an interesting guy. He's the one who's uh, who studies. He's a molecular biologist researcher. It's it's fascinating to me the number of punk, mm-hmm. lead, particularly lead singers with advanced degrees. Right. You have Doctor Greg Graffin, philosophy yep. from, <laughs> from Bad, Bad Religion. Religion. Yeah, and yeah. then you have. Dr. Dexter Holland from right. The Offspring, which is, mm-hmm. his is like molecular biochemistry yeah. or something. And Again, I think that's all he does now. Real, no, they still... Pro- oh, they're still together? Yep, they're still together. <laughs> still love The Offspring, too. Yeah. I mean, I've lost touch with them, but I, I liked them a lot at the time. They were one yeah. I would have heard with they, Green Day and such. They do a new record about every six, seven years. It's kind of... I think at this point, they've made their money, and it becomes a... Well, we've kicked around a bunch of ideas for a few years. I think we have enough. And they go in and they bang out another 35 minutes right. of California pop punk right. fascination and gold. Yeah. And <laughs> then they move on and do a little tour. And then that, they go back to their you know grown-up jobs. So they do have grown-up jobs. I assume at least two. I, I, think, uh, yeah. I think Dexter's probably teaching. Yeah. Much like Greg Graffin, who I think 
taught at like a couple of really prestigious. He taught I, at ELCA. He's I, published Columbia, I think yeah. too. Like I think he was right like, tenure at Columbia for a minute and then gave yeah. it up. Yep. Yeah, he's. I th- I think I think he does that more than he does the music now. Mm-hmm. It's more like when he, when they Bad Religion does an album, it's a really big thing. It is. Uh, but yeah, I but love, they've been I love around for forty years, and they have Jeez, an interesting. Know. You know, you want to draw weird lines back to CCM with Bad Religion. You know, Switchfoot is another one of those bands that kind of rides that CCM line yeah. a little bit, like King's X, right? And the Foreman Brothers from Switchfoot, their first concert was jumping the fence into a backyard party that Bad Religion was playing. Really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's pretty good. So they did they, so, so they played with them? No, they were just there. They're they, just there. <laughs> they crashed the party when they were teenagers. That's awesome. And that's like you wanna talk about your weird like A plus B equals Q kind Equals of Q things. situations, yeah. <laughs> Uh, man, Greg's get, Greg's got to be uh, no spring chicken at this point. No, nope. his their Christmas album is really good. I like all their. I have to find that. Yeah, it's it's really good. I might it, have it, to spin that this holiday season. Yeah, yeah, it, it's got the magic in it. Um, Mix it in with a little Weird Al. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> got yourself a really wild Christmas. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it. I would I would say here's here's the thing. Is that I'm not a punk, and I never was, but I think I would have been if that was even available in the area that I grew up with. I grew up in a very redneck town, um, and the people that did like Green Day at the time, it was because it was loud and dirty, and it was a very short-lived fan uh, fan commitment on their part. That's why a lot of people still love the old Green Day. Right, yeah, yep. Uh, but... Um, but I'm actually kind of glad that I did. If there had been, if I'd gone to a school where there was like a, a, a punk scene or whatever, I probably would have been a part of it. But I'm glad I didn't because, and this is no no offense to punk people, but they are a very committed bunch. Yes, and yes, they are. They they really only like that type of music, mm-hmm. and so I, I'm grateful that I that I have a more well rounded, mm-hmm. uh, or or not even well rounded, expansive musical interest. But, um. I think that's why so many punks end up being uh, involved in higher learning is because I will give this credit to even the punks that annoy me. They are very disciplined. Uh, the whole thing of sticking to the basics, they seem to apply to everything. So it's not really a, it's not really a genre for multitasking. It's finding something very specific honing in on it and not ever stopping even when it's annoying to all of your friends. Stay so, in your lane and pursue it to the point of mild aggression. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or I, severe aggression. It's up to you. Yeah. So I mean that's got to that's got to be at least partially related. I would say the thing about the descendants that has held up for me, why I appreciate them um and why I even if it hasn't completely aged well, at least not all of it has. I like that they sang about nerd culture, especially in their latter albums. Um, if it, it, for for those listening, I would recommend more so than Milo. Everyone sucks is the name of it, um, because that when they have songs about coffee, just nerdy shit, and that's the that's the I like that kind of punk music. I like the stuff that's for nerds, the stuff that's for like super aggressive people who blow up like uh, government buildings. That I, I mean, whatever, but that I never connected to as much, and that's probably why I liked pop punk. And Descendants are enormously influenced on pop punk. But pop punk, you could sing about girls and getting your heart broken and like science fiction and horror movies and all these things it's that an nerds open like. slate, really. Yeah, it is. And, and that I connected to a lot more than the ones where, you know, they'd put a nine inch, a nine foot clothespin in their in their eyeballs or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> any other questions? <laughs> we We talked a little bit about that rawness that's mm-hmm. kind of it's the drawing factor particularly as a formative youth right to that punk sound right and the album definitely has that recorded on a four track tape in mom and dad's garage yes. in one take right and we kind of we hit the button and we went for it and how i guess as people who, you know, have grown and matured a little bit in their appreciation of 
production and particularly as you alluded to like we talked about axel rose and his love of the grandiose right how does that kind of how do you how does that love of the raw uncut apply to growing to love something a little more polished I thought about that, Alex. So I'm very <laughs> glad you asked this. Uh, I uh, this is and this is what it is. I personally tend to like music where the lead, the person who's in charge of making it. Um, well, well, personally, I again, I, I like it when it's raw, stripped down, short, and, and the melodies are really catchy, and usually about like girls or whatever. Nothing too sophisticated. But there is something about people like Axl Rose or Sufjan Stevens or um, or Phil Collins, people who are known for writing these enormous lar- queens, another one that comes to mind, Elton John, all these, t- Bertie Toppin, all these people, is that it might not be raw per se, it might be more polished, and it's often very long. Um, but here's what I like about them, is that I feel like, there is a aggression to all of that that I really like in that people like Axel or Freddie Mercury, they just get it out there and they don't care if their fans like it or not or if their friends or bandmates like it or not. They just want to make this thing that's incredible. And that's why I hate jam band music because I feel like with them, they work too much off what the crowd wants them to do. Like, oh, I can tell you guys are grooving and on acid right now. I'm going to do a 40-minute bass solo. Uh, I, I can tell that you guys are kind of calmed down, so I'm going to bring it down a little bit into a 90-minute, you know, weird, stupid ballad. Whereas uh, a band like The Descendants or a band like Guns N' Roses, it's just, boom, here it is. Take it, you fuckers. I could give three shits if you like it or not. And that you don't like I find... it, the door's right over there. You can go. <laughs> that's, that's exactly. So I think that's what it is. And uh, that's the parallel that I found between those things. And I think that's why my favorite types of music is either bone, dry, raw, and short, or very, very big. <laughs> but it's helmed by, a, usually helmed by a control freak who hates everybody and doesn't care what you think. So that's. <laughs> Does that answer your question? It does. Okay. Right. In a very, very profound way. I <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't expecting to hear grandiosity uh juxtaposed with aggression, but right. I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and like a jam band, that is I mean, one I don't like this about them, but uh, the improvisation is kind of interesting to me in that it really is working with the crowd if you like that type of shit. But like with something like, you know, uh, Queen or Rush or whatever, is that it really is just a highly composed out there tune. And I think punks are kind of like that a little bit. It's just they don't play their instruments nearly as well most of the time. And the songs are like sometimes three minutes. (laughs) I can... I can I can see that I can see that juxtaposition when you put it that way. It's it's actually it's fairly obvious. You know, it's you know either way you either way you put it out there, it's take it or leave it. Right. And when it comes to and as a person who loves bands like the Allman Brothers, I do I do love that feel of them kind of I I'll say catering to right. the feel of the crowd, but also it does become cumbersome and Whoops. verbose for the sake of being cumbersome and verbose. Right. We're gonna play, you know that that yeah. everybody gets a turn in the jam session thing doesn't right. need to happen every song. It, right. And you saying that makes me hope that you pick a Dream Theater album sometime because oh, I've, it's coming. Okay, because I've I've made I, there's albums I want to pick that I wonder if you're that you might totally hate, um, <laughs> but um, so that being said, we're going to turn this over to you now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> did you like this album? I will not be offended. <laughs> I struggled <laughs> to connect with it, uh-huh. but I didn't dislike it okay because i am in my heart of hearts i'm a metalhead and a punk right who has grown to love blues and jazz and yes you know right most things musical but 
when it comes right down to it, I love a Pennywise record as right. much as I love a Metallica record right. or a Dream Theater record. This one was hard to swallow. So what is it about this one that made it different than like a Pennywise record? Mm-hmm. Why is it that you could connect to a Pennywise record <laughs> and not to a a absolutely coveted in punk circles Descendants <laughs> Miles Goes to College album? Uh, yes. Um going to upset a lot of punks with that but <laughs> here it goes guys i'm sorry to all my friends who love it i just i don't and <laughs> i feel like it comes from an entirely different space of that punk attitude yeah. than say a pennywise record mm-hmm. where the pennywise record the take it or leave it middle mm-hmm. finger in the air Right. Also comes with, we're all in this together. Right. And that was something, particularly as a person in middle school and elementary school, who didn't feel like I fit anywhere. Right. Even with the punks, because I wasn't the kid with the studded jacket and the safety right. pins. And and I wasn't smart enough for the smart kids and, right. you know, whatever. The bands that are singing about, hey we're here right you know this is a community yeah and what you are is okay right really kind of spoke to me more than some of the things in like this descendants record right. where he's throwing out things where you can't say that in 2020 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there was a, there was a lot of there was a lot of things yeah. like there were there were a lot of I caught some really solid homophobia in yeah, a couple of yeah, those songs and yeah. you know there are things you just don't call people anymore right. and he's slinging it out there but it was what 1980 I, I yeah, thought we, it was more like 1986 but it yeah was 1982 right. so in that era yeah. of life that was okay right I'd be curious to know how they I I can't picture them. Being okay with that <laughs> any anymore, you know. You can't picture them having not matured past right. that, right? And one thing I was going to say, I actually don't disagree with anything you said there. And I think for me, their latter stuff—they were being more true to themselves. Uh, we all have a cha- uh, time in our life when we can be an angry kid um, who hates everything. <laughs> but uh, the the punk bands I find most interesting. Definitely evolved past that, and their latter stuff. Have you heard "Everybody Sucks"? Which is the no, title. I'll probably I'll probably Everybody go sucks. check it out because we're touching on it a bunch yeah. right now. I'm you'll probably like that a lot better. I'll say like you know one of the you alluded to you know wanting him to just tell him wanting to just tell him you know yeah. calm down you're gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah, right. Song like there was a. A song like Suburban Homes, yeah, yeah. where he just starts with, I want to be stereotyped. Oh, I, I want to be classified. Yeah. As a person who lives in the suburbs, it's pretty great. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not complaining. It's I know. nice and quiet. I lived downtown for a while, and right. it was okay. You can avoid people like the narrator of that but song. But as a natural introvert, I didn't like the song. suburbs are pretty yeah. nice. And it was kind of like, hey, man, have you ever tried it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And when that song played, I definitely rolled my eyes. Uh, at the time, maybe I found it interesting, but it just wasn't. Uh, the um, I had another question, and it, and it escapes me. Oh, there's one line, too. I think they were maybe part of like the straight edge scene or something. I don't know. But they had this one line where they're like yelling at kids, like, you, you know, you young kids with your marijuana and having sex. I'm like, oh, Descent is getting get a little puritanical, are you? Yeah, I mean, was, they're kids. That's what they're supposed to do, you idiots. There was a, <laughs> there was a few in there. Like, I think I think half of a suburban home is yeah. about you know yuppie kids buying coke for their yeah. for their girlfriends who are using them for their bad for their cheap coke, <laughs> and it's just like, come on, yeah, you're gonna you be can't. Okay. Even the Sex Pistols had more substance than that at right. that particular right. juncture of anger. That's like, it was like yeah. the purest of teenage rage. Right. And I just, yeah. I wasn't, I don't know if 
the result would have been different had I been handed it during those right formative years of not feeling like I belonged. Right. Right. But you also, liked that kind of, you liked the the type of music. You liked yeah. the loud music back then. Oh yeah. See, you probably it could have been similar to my experience back then, which was like it wasn't the message that got me. I really probably didn't even know what they're talking about. It was just loud, raw and Green Day liked it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was there's a Another thing that I was struggling to connect with is there's a distinct lack of, I don't want to say melody or structure. Right. But I love a good chorus, and there's not tons of them on this record. there's not. I did just let the Spotify pick the next one once, Mm -hmm. and that was a later one that I found much more agreeable to my very... Very hyper specific tastes, right? Occasionally, but there, there's two songs, uh, one called Catalina and one called Marriage mm-hmm. that I thought held up really well. They, I thought they were, I thought Marriage was like that was something I felt like an adult could relate to as far as the topic. Uh, it, it was, I hate using the word PC, but it felt like he actually tried to not just write a song that offended you know like everybody and and uh, the Catalina I just thought was like great melodies and it had a great intro that was the closest yeah. they came to uh that one was I feel like the closest they came to a like proper chorus right and that's the one where he's like out of gas I'm out of motors broken and I'm out of tape I guess I'm stuck here and yeah <laughs> yeah I I concur I think that was kind of I feel like because I feel like that song's more about a boat huh. or a car, right? Because you're out of gas and the motor's broken, and I guess I'm stuck here. Than it was about like raw teenage angst that may or may not be about a problem you actually yeah. have, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm it, mad for being the sake of being mad. Yeah, dang it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, precisely. And now you know. Now that you say that. Uh, Another song where it just kind of was what it was and you didn't need to read into it. That song, I Want to Be a Bear. That mm-hmm. one I actually did like because that's their latter stuff is more like that where it's ger- it's uh, gerty, nerdy, goofy. Uh, the, the chorus of that song wasn't great, but uh, I mean, it was a stupid tune. But like I felt like the, the, it was a mm-hmm. foretaste of things to come and, and what was to come I do like better. So if you're listening to this... Uh, and you haven't discovered the descendants. I honestly would say listen to their latter stuff. I, I'll, I mean, you, you, you said you you take a listen to everybody. Every, everyone thinks sucks, but like, um, uh, I would recommend listening to their latter stuff. And this one maybe as a cute little. If you end up becoming a huge Descendants fan, then buy it <laughs> to add to your collection. Turns out we found one that really, really didn't stand up for either of us. No, not it. It, Didn't think it would only take a handful of weeks, no. but here we are. And I, I'm kind of glad that happened. Uh, uh, so the, the spirit of it, I give an A, and the magic is there. The rest, God, I mean, the way that I describe it out loud, C+. <laughs> I, th- I think the whole package fell in about C+, for me, yeah. because it's, you know, when you when you just, when you stack it up purely objectively, because it was... It was a first listen for me. Right, yeah. Which yeah. was kind of surprising. Yeah, and I hadn't heard it in probably 20 years. You know, when you when you stare at it objectively, it's, you know, it's solid. It's front to back. I didn't, you know, it's 23 minutes, so you don't have to skip anything, and it'll right. all be over soon. Right. It takes less time than an episode of Law & Order, but... right. I think we both in the in our, our ages and where we are in life. I mean, I like negative music too, but we both loved the MXPX one that we had last mm-hmm. week, and and I think it's because that one has a thoroughly positive view of being a kid, <laughs> of being a teenager, <laughs> and or our college age or whatever. And this one was was the complete opposite, and I think that's why I was immediately connected to slowly going with the way of the Buffalo, uh, and didn't even really have to think about it. Whereas this one, it was. Was like, eh, all right, yeah, okay, calm down, shut up. All right, are we done? <laughs> it's all fine. Just yeah. everything is fine. Right. It was kind of like so that album for me is like sitting next to someone at a party and they're really cool for like ten minutes and then 
they just talk about things that you don't want to hear at a party. The alcohol starts flowing, and <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden they become the opinion guy. Yeah, exa- that's what this that or uh, <laughs> or in my case, the hugger. <laughs> Please don't sit next to me if you're a drunken hugger. <laughs> I think that's the best description of this. And and on uh, on that note, <laughs> that is the best description of Milo goes to college. The opinionated guy at a party. <laughs> Uh, who has too much to drink, and you're done with him after 10 minutes. <laughs> Put it on the shelf, listen to it every 20 years, and remind right. yourself why you wait. <laughs> <laughs> so have you picked out next week's yet? I have not. Have you? Oh, yeah. Well, then why don't you go while I think about it? God, you're going to hate it. Oh, good. Debbie Gibson's Out of the Blue. You never know. I do love a good pop song every once in a while. Maybe this will be your favorite one. Hmm. So, Should I give you the dream theater now or wait? I think an argument. This, you know what? This week it was kind of there were some parallels here, at least in the the album titles. Maybe we should just go with contrasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? Because I was thinking about it today, and it's just barely old enough. Let's go polar opposite of Debbie Gibson, and we're gonna go with. Linkin Park's debut album, Hybrid Theory. I haven't listened to that in a long time. I Especially really... because as of yeah. like a um, couple weeks from now, it'll be 20 years old. Let's do that. So it is just barely in and the I, club. And I loved that album in college. So it's been, it's been 20 years since I've heard that one. loved that in high school so hard. Right. And... I have a fun story to share about it next week. Next week. But you have to come listen to hear that. Uh, Yes, you do. Don't leave. We'll have better beer. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining the Nostalgic Album Podcast. Please check us out on social media or on Facebook. It sounds like we're going to try to turn one of our 40 Instagram uh, accounts into one for uh, the Nostalgic Album Podcast. Please go to the site uh, not only to check out what we have there, but we would love to hear from you. Please uh, let us know some albums from your past that you liked or some ones that you recall liking that you want to give a uh, renewed listen to. Uh, also, if you're listening to this, feel free to buy us beer. Uh, we Maybe we'll have a PayPal set up or something just for alcohol. So we'll, uh, get, we'll get a Venmo going. You can send us cash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just do that. All right, everybody be healthy. Wash your hands. Take good care of each other. 